I'm very excited about um, this message this morning in 2 Timothy chapter 1. It's been such a blessing for me as I've been able to dig into the chapter and prepare it. Paul writes this second letter to Timothy from a prison cell in Rome, and it's in a climate that has become increasingly more and more hostile to the Christian faith and those who follow it. Historians agree that this was most likely Paul's last letter that he ever wrote, not just to Timothy, but to all of the churches, and that he was executed shortly after this letter was written. And you know, as we go through the rest of the letter, there are some things that Paul says that give us a sense that he was very well aware that his time on earth was coming to a close and that he was preparing for it. So you can really think of this letter as Paul's last words, his final thoughts before leaving this earth. And I've been thinking about that a lot as I was going through this chapter, and it has made me wonder if I had one last opportunity to share my heart with those I love, what is it I would want to say? What would I want my final thoughts to be? Those things that I wanted to make sure were not left unsaid. Timothy had been pastoring the church of Ephesus now for about four years at the time of this letter, and I think it's important for us to just take note of what Paul chooses as his last words in this last letter. He begins his letter with a reminder to Timothy of the very personal calling that God had on his life. Paul was called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. And he reminds Timothy that this calling was God's purpose, his plan for his life. And I think this was such an important reminder to Timothy because it's obvious at the time that this letter is being written that things were not looking very good for Paul. And often when things aren't looking very good, when things aren't going the way we think they should be, it causes us to wonder if what we're experiencing is really God's will for us. Paul was reminding Timothy that he was indeed in the center of God's will. And although Timothy was very aware of Paul's circumstances and had certainly been lamenting them, Paul reminds him that all that has befallen him, because he is, an apostle of Christ. It's what he has been called to. And even in these dire circumstances, Paul is thinking of the promise of life that can be found in Jesus Christ. And that's another very important reminder that Timothy needs to hear, especially as things are looking more and more dire in Paul's situation. Unless we're alive at the time that the church is raptured up, we're all going to face that day when our earthly life is coming to an end. Paul's focus as he faces death is on the life that is to come, and he reminds us as well as Timothy that what we're experiencing here is temporary. What we have to look forward to after this is eternal. 
And I think it's amazing that Paul was able to have that kind of a focus in the midst of everything that he was going through. It's very hard when we are facing hard things in the present to focus on some good expectation on the other side of all we're going through, let alone on eternity. But it's having that focus that gave Paul the strength and the endurance to bear the present circumstances he was in. And it makes me wonder, where do our thoughts turn when we find ourselves overwhelmed in our present circumstances? Paul chose to turn his thoughts to the Lord and to trust in his promises. In verse 2, Paul addresses Timothy as his dearly beloved son. And you can just really hear Paul's heart being poured out in love and affection for Timothy for this last letter that he's writing to him. And it's in that same sentence that he adds a prayer that the Lord would pour out on Timothy grace, mercy, and peace. And there's no doubt that Timothy was in need of all three. This letter was being written in a time period of Nero's rule and the horrible persecution that was taking place by a madman who used Christians as human torches to light the city. Did any of you see the movie Paul, Apostle of Christ? Yeah. There were parts of that movie that were just really gruesome, but it depicts the time period very well, and it gives us a, a pretty accurate picture of what was taking place at the time that Paul was writing this letter. Paul knew that the persecution of the church was going to become worse, and with his last breath, he wanted to prepare Timothy for what was to come. And his main focus and his primary concern was to encourage Timothy to stand strong in Christ, even in the midst of much difficulty. In Paul's first letter to Timothy, Paul encouraged him to fight the good fight of faith. In 1 Timothy 1.18, Paul gave Timothy instructions in hope that his words would help him to fight the good fight, holding on to faith and a good conscience. And in chapter 6, verse 12 of 1 Timothy, he told Timothy again to fight the good fight of faith and take hold of the eternal life to which you're called. And now we're going to see in this second letter that Paul will use the same words about himself, telling Timothy in chapter 4, verse 7, that he, Paul, has fought the good fight, that he's finished his race, and that he has kept the faith. And this is Paul's very prayer for Timothy. He is praying that Timothy would follow in his footsteps and do the same. Paul says some things to Timothy in the next few verses that I think paint a picture of where Timothy's emotional state may have been. With all of the horrors going on, Timothy seems to be in great need of encouragement. And I'm sure that we can all relate. We all go through times when we are in great need of encouragement. Times when the going gets tough and we need to be reminded to keep on going. 
Paul takes Timothy back to the very foundation of his faith, reminding him that that faith was first found in his grandmother Lois and then in his mother Eunice. And that faith was now living in Timothy's heart as well. And I just love looking at that legacy of faith that we see here. Just being passed down from one generation to another. And I think it's such an important reminder to us that we need to live out and we need to pass down that legacy of faith in Christ to our kids and our grandkids and those that we love. There's nothing that we can leave to them that's more important than that. Whatever inheritance we might be hoping to leave our, our children or our grandchildren or our loved ones, whether it's a business or a home or money in the bank or investments, all of that is temporary. All of that is worthless when we look at it in the light of eternity, except for one thing, and that is your faith in the living God. Passing down that baton of faith is the most important thing that we can do. Paul tells Timothy in verse 4 that he recalls his tears. You know, these could have been tears that Timothy shed at their last parting, or they could be tears that Paul knows Timothy is shedding now as Paul's situation in prison becomes more and more dire. Or they could have been tears of fear and heartache as the persecution of the church was growing more and more cruel under Nero's rule. And I personally think that the last might be the case because we go on to read how Paul encourages Timothy to fan into flame the gift of God which is in him, reminding him that God has not given us a spirit of fear or of timidity, but one of power and love and self-control. I know that this is a favorite scripture for many of us and um, one that we often quote when we're facing things that are causing us anxiety or fear. And while this scripture can apply to all of those situations, Paul's words of encouragement to Timothy here in this letter are specifically to encourage him to rein in his emotions and not to be afraid to be a bold witness even as it becomes more difficult to do so. He encourages Timothy that he's not to be ashamed to speak out about Christ and to share his faith. And I think that those are words that we need to hear as well as our society becomes more and more hostile to the gospel of Christ. Paul invites Timothy, instead of being fearful, to join him in suffering for the sake of the gospel. And he reminds Timothy again that he's been called by God to be a herald, an apostle, and a teacher of this gospel. And it's for this reason that he's suffering in his present circumstances. What Paul is really telling Timothy is that God is still in control of his life, regardless of what it looks like on the outside. He is not ashamed. He's confident that the Lord will guard what he has invested in the kingdom. The words of verse 12 and Paul's confidence in knowing the one in whom he has believed, those should be words of encouragement to all of us. The fact that in the worst of circumstances, Paul could still boldly 
and confidently proclaim that he's not ashamed of the gospel because he knows the one who has entrusted it to him should give us an assurance of just how genuine Paul's confidence is. And it should boost our own confidence in our faith as well. Paul's final encouragements to Timothy in this chapter are for him to follow his example. And he ends the chapter by giving Timothy insight into who he could and could not trust. I think that we have so much here in this first chapter that we, we need to look at and meditate on and apply to our own lives. How was it that Paul was able to face these hard places that he was called to walk in? How could he do it? And how can we? How do we get through it? How do we stay encouraged in the midst of disappointment or unexpected hardships or when the unthinkable things happen? And how do we encourage others when they are clearly overcome with pain and sorrow? Well, I think if we go back and we look at Paul's words to Timothy, we get some pretty good nuggets of truth that are invaluable for us as we and those we love face those hard places. You know, we might not be in a, a place where we're being tortured or facing the kind of death that Paul was facing, but all of us can relate to discouragement, fear, and hard times. Paul gives us a long list that we can apply to those times when the going gets tough and our hearts are discouraged. But I want to focus on seven main things that Paul points out to Timothy in this first chapter. Number one, remember your calling. Maybe you weren't called in some dramatic way like Paul experienced. Not many of us were blinded by a bright light and thrown off our horse. But it's important for all of us to remember that each of us were personally called to Christ. I love Isaiah 43. And when I first came to the Lord, the beginning of that chapter was such a, a personal love letter from God to my heart. Verse 1 says, Thus says the Lord, your creator, and he who formed you, do not fear for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. That calling from God was personal. He called you by name. You belong to him. Paul states later in verse 9 of our chapter that this, this calling from God was a holy calling, not because of any works that we had done, but according to God's own purpose and the grace, the undeserved, unmerited favor which he granted us in Christ Jesus. What is it we've been called to? Well, here are just a couple of things. 1 Timothy 6.12 says we've been called to eternal life. Romans 1.6 says we've been called to belong to Christ. Romans 1.7 says we've been called to be saints. 1 Corinthians 1.2 says we've been called to be holy. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says we've been called to be in fellowship with him. And verse 9 of our chapter just told us that we've been called for God's own purpose. 
whatever that purpose is or purposes are. Do a word search sometime in your concordance and just look up all of the things that we have been called to. And when the going gets tough, remember your calling. Number two, remember his promises. Paul made an intentional decision to turn his focus away from his present circumstances and instead to turn his focus to the sure promises of God. Not easy, but so important. It takes an intentional act of the will. It takes an intentional decision. What we choose to think about is just that. It's a choice. What thoughts and what promises do you think were going through Paul's mind? Well, we know for sure that one of the things that Paul was choosing to look at was the promise of eternal life. Je uh, Jesus says in John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. I wonder if that was the promise that Paul was holding on to. Or I wonder if he was thinking about what he had said in Romans 8, 38 and 39, that he was convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, things present, things to come, not powers, height, depth, or anything else in all creation would be able to separate him from the love of God which was in Christ Jesus his Lord. When we feel overwhelmed by discouragement, we need to ask ourselves, what is it we're choosing to look at? Can we trust God's promises? Not just his promise for eternal life, but his promise of provision, his promise of his inseparable love, his promise of peace, his promise to never leave us, to be our strength, to be our healer, to be our guide, and all of the other promises in his word, too many for us to count. Second Peter 1.4 says that he has given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Hebrews 6 gives us an awesome reminder of how true God is to his word. It says, when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. So remember, to think on, cling to, and trust in his promises. Number three, remember to pray. Paul told Timothy that he prayed for him day and night. We can never underestimate the power of prayer. I'm sure that Paul prayed many things for Timothy, but we're told in this chapter of three things that he prayed, and they are three things that we all need more of in any and every situation. Paul prayed for grace, mercy, and peace. You know, so often we aren't sure how to pray when we're going through something that's uh, really difficult, when we're deeply discouraged and feeling pain and sorrow. 
and often we don't know how to pray for others who are in those same circumstances. But these three things that Paul prayed for Timothy are effective remedies for our hearts in every situation. So remember to pray. Number four is remember the gift of God that is in you and stir it up, fan the flame. You know, when we are absorbed with all of the things around us that cause our hearts to feel discouraged, it not only leads to fear and despondency, but it leads to immobility and it makes us unproductive. It really causes us to just fall down deeper into that pit of despair and it turns our focus off of God and onto ourself and our feelings. Paul gives this encouragement to Timothy at the same time reminding him that God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. Hebrews 10 warns that God's not pleased with those who shrink back. And verse 39 gives us an encouragement that we're not of those who shrink back. But isn't that often what fear and timidity try to make us do? They try to make us disengage and shrink back. I know I've experienced that a number of times. But God has given you and me gifts that he intends for us to use to minister and strengthen others. And nothing is a better antidote for discouragement than to use what God has given you and invest it in the lives of those around you. We're called to be about his business. We're called to involve ourselves in the works that he's prepared for us to do. And that immediately shifts our focus off of ourself and our mountain of discouragement and onto the Lord and how we can serve him by serving others. Are we being faithful to the things he's called us to do? We see Paul doing that even from his prison cell. So remember the gifts that God has given to you. Stir them up and start using them. And if you're not sure what your gifts are, this is a little plug. My husband has this great little booklet out called Spiritual Gifts, and it's available on Amazon. <laughs> Number five, remember to stand firm and unashamed and to retain the standard of sound doctrine. We're living in a time period where that is becoming increasingly more difficult. We see churches all around us caving in to the pressure of society and compromising the truth in areas that I, I can't even believe are happening because all of a sudden the truth has become very, very politically incorrect. Every day we see more and more compromise. Compromise in areas I never dreamed I would ever see in my lifetime. How important this was for Timothy to hold on to in times of such great persecution that he was facing, and how important this is for us to hold on to in this present age that we're in. Paul told Timothy in verse 13 to follow the pattern of sound words that you've heard from me. And in verse 14, he told him, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit that has been entrusted to you. That good deposit that had been entrusted to Timothy was his faith. It was the gospel. 
It was the sound doctrine Paul had taught him. It was the truth that sets us free. We're going to read in chapter 4 of this letter Paul's warning that the time will come when they won't endure sound doctrine. I think we're here. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the church and be turned aside to fables. But you, he tells Timothy, be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. Never have we needed more in this time of such compromise to guard the truth. So stand firm. Be unashamed to retain the standard of sound doctrine. Number six is remember that we have an enemy and be aware and live circumspectly. You know, I think we often forget when we're in the midst of trials and we're walking through those hard places in life that we have an enemy who is out to destroy us or at least to destroy our witness and to make us as ineffective as possible. This, of course, is nothing new. This was true from the beginning of creation. It was true for the early church, and it's definitely true for us today. 1 Peter 5, 8 through 10 tells us to be sober, to be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, it says. How? By being steadfast in the faith. Steadfast. It means firmly fixed, immovable, not subject to change. Paul thought it necessary to warn Timothy who he needed to be careful of. He didn't want Timothy to bury his head in the sand and to ignore that there are those out there, even those who call themselves Christians, who are enemies of the cross of Christ. We all know that there are those outside of the church who oppose us. We don't always pay as much attention to those within the church who compromise the truth and are often more dangerous and do even more harm to the gospel of Christ. We can't resist the enemy and stand firm in our faith if we're unwilling to defend it in the face of compromise. So remember, we have an enemy we need to be aware. We need to live circumspectly, and we need to resist him by standing steadfast in the faith. And finally, and I saved the best for last, the real key to how Paul was able to face all of the hard places that he was called to walk in was because he knew the one in whom he had believed, and that's where he put his confidence. We can't be confident in our faith. We can't trust in his promises. And we certainly can't stand strong in the face of difficulty unless we know and trust the one who's called us to himself. And we get to know him by spending time with him in prayer, by allowing him to speak to us through his word, by choosing to believe what he's revealed about himself to us through the scriptures, and by experiencing his faithfulness as we invest our lives in that relationship, living with a focus of honoring him and worshiping him and serving him day by day. Paul's trust was in a God he knew to be true 
because he experienced his faithfulness every day, and he was confident that he could believe in his promises. So number seven is know him in whom you have believed. I think the words that Paul penned in this chapter were so important for Timothy to hear, and I believe that they're so important for us today. These were the things on Paul's heart as he sat in that prison cell knowing that his final days were coming to an end. These are the last words that he chose to share, the things that he wanted to make sure were not left unsaid. And as we go through the rest of this letter, keep those thoughts in mind and pray that the Lord will help us to take hold of the words that Paul is writing to Timothy and to apply them to our own lives. I know that all of us want to be able to say when we come to our finish line that we have fought the good fight, that we have finished our race, and that we have kept the faith. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you so much for your calling us in such a personal way to yourself. Thank you, Lord, for the promises that you've given to us. Lord, for the gifts that you have stirred within our hearts. Lord, for your truth that sets us free. The gospel, the good news. Lord, I pray that you would help us to hold on to it. To not allow it to be compromised. To defend it to stand firm. And I just pray that for every single one of us, Lord, that we would be able to stand firm in you, that we would never come to a place where we are ashamed of the good news, of the cross, of your calling. Lord, I just ask that you would just bless each woman here. I pray, Lord, that as they go into their discussion groups and they share those, those personal, special things that you have spoken to their hearts as they prepared their lesson, that each heart would be ministered to in just a mighty, mighty way. Open their ears to hear your voice. Open their hearts, Lord, to those seeds you want to plant. And, Lord, just have your hand of blessing upon your word, upon their discussion, and upon our walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.